Shalom, my friends, and welcome to the Roots of Flourishing podcast. I am Dr. Chris Lasante, and this is the podcast where we explore the roots of human flourishing through medical knowledge, philosophical reasoning, and theological insights. Episode 8, Redeeming Work, the Individual, Part 1. Work is a basic good and should be a great source of meaning and accomplishment. However, many of us often find it wearying, troublesome, and annoying, even leading to burnout. How can we then redeem work as a basic good? This will be our topic for the next four episodes. This and the next episode will focus on the individual, while the third and fourth episodes will address the institution, focusing on the crucial role that leaders and bosses have on our work. Before you tune me out thinking that my job would be great if only my boss was more understanding, my work more interesting, my job paid better, my commute did not have traffic, etc., etc., Remember, these are all things that we have little or no control over. Now let's think hard about the thing we have control over, our minds. Pastor and author Chuck Swindoll says, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor Dr. Viktor Frankl, in his classic book, Man's Search for Meaning, says this, We watched and witnessed some of our comrades behave like swine, while others behave like saints. Man has both potentialities within himself. Which one is actualized depends on decisions, but not on conditions. Both these authors are pointing out a fact that comports with the reality we see around us. People respond to the same environment very differently, and the difference is our attitudes. Some are sullen and negative, while others seem content, and even a few others are absolutely joyful. There's a lady who does housekeeping at my hospital who absolutely radiates joy in greeting everyone she contacts and has actually been recognized by leadership for her important optimistic contribution to the work environment. Mike Rowe, the host of the show Dirty Jobs, further reinforces this concept when he says, ultimately work ethic is attitude. However, it seems a bit nebulous that we should just have a good attitude. It almost seems to be something that we can catch like a cold. So, we will explore what a good attitude really means and how we can choose to embrace one. I have come to the conclusion that unless we love our work for its own sake and love those we work with and for, then we will not flourish as humans in our work. All four of these episodes on redeeming work will be focused around these two fundamental points. As a physician, I tell my colleagues that we need to love medicine and love our patients. You need to reclaim and redeem a love for your work and a love for the people. Now, the challenge is to orient our minds and our work toward these two basic goals. If we want to flourish at work by loving our craft and those associated with it, it then really starts even before we walk through the door or log into our system. If our lives are constantly out of balance and we are chronically exhausted, then do we honestly think that we will flourish under the additional demands of work? 
we need to ensure that we are setting ourselves up for success by remembering and practicing the roots of human flourishing. We need to constantly employ the key concepts of balance, multidimensional harmony, and self-transcendence with our activities ultimately oriented to the basic goods. Dr. Richard Swenson, in his book Margin, states this as his first axiom. Progress works by differentiating our environment, thus always giving us more and more of everything faster and faster. This uncontrolled speed is now one of the greatest harms to our human flourishing, both at work and in our lives generally. Mahatma Gandhi identified this problem even earlier than Dr. Swenson when he said, there's more to life than increasing its speed. Stephen Covey continues the theme when he says, it's incredibly easy to get caught up in an activity trap, in the busyness of life, to work harder and harder at climbing the ladder of success, only to discover that it is leaning against the wrong wall. It is possible to be busy, very busy, without being effective. All these quotes caution us against being too busy in our lives. We typically live unbalanced lives where we do not have enough biologic rest or social and spiritual resources to handle the challenges of life. So, a review of our overall human flourishing is essential for us to flourish at work. Again, we need to integrate as many dimensions as possible of our humanity, the biologic, psychologic, social, and spiritual in everything that we do. We call this multidimensional harmonious living. Additionally, practicing self-transcendence is essential towards our human flourishing. Dr. Frankel echoes this vital concept when he says, self-actualization is possible only as a side effect of self-transcendence. As we discuss it in episode three, self-transcendence is vital root on the pathway to our human flourishing. It helps us look objectively at ourselves and to embrace the other dimensions, while ensuring that our psychologic dimension does not run roughshod over the other three dimensions. Likewise, we need to promote and not harm the basic goods, as we discussed in episode five. So, what does this start to look like on a practical basis? As we saw in episode six in our Chariots of Fire example, resting on the Sabbath day is an essential part of our work-rest balance. We must slow down one day out of every seven and take a break from work and other routine activities in our lives. Some authors have even advocated a digital detox day once per week in a similar vein as a Sabbath day. Regarding the selection of our activities, we are prone to frequently do things that are urgent but unimportant. Additionally, we do things that are both unimportant and not urgent, also known as time wasters. We all need to slow down, be mindful about what activities we do, and how we do them by engaging our spiritual dimension, and choose multidimensional harmonious living by being deliberate in all our activities— both work and non-work related. Now, let's focus on work. Flourishing at work is more than just about flourishing outside of work, although that is a necessary precondition, but also about the type and amount of work and, most importantly, our attitude. 
Burnout is not just doing a lot of work, but usually due to a combination of factors that revolve around problems with our roots of human flourishing. We can work hard if we are generally flourishing and if we find the work we are doing to be meaningful. However, many do not understand work as a good, let alone a basic good, since many people seem to be just gutting it through the work week in order to get to the weekend or enduring an almost endless string of work weeks in order to get to the dream of retirement. This then begs the question of how we view work. Is it a means to our dream retirement or fun weekends, or is it truly meaningful? As I maintain, we can work very hard if we see our work as meaningful itself for its own sake. We need to redeem work. Before we explore how we can redeem our work, we need to find out why work is a basic good. The basic good of work is not only a philosophical one, but also a theological one. It says in Genesis chapter 2, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. We read later in Genesis 2 that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So, what we see in the creation account is that God is a God of creative work and that he created man in his image to also be a creative work agent as well. So, what went wrong? The fall unfortunately happened, and that severed our relationships amongst all the dimensions of our humanity to include the social dimension, which includes work. Now, our psychologic desires prioritizes instrumental goods over basic goods, as we discussed in episode 6, and thus our desires have become disordered, resulting in increased friction amongst the four dimensions of our humanity, leading to personal disintegration, lack of peace, and increased stress and anxiety. The effects of the fall are everywhere. Weeds grow, cars wear out, people get sick, drop things break, and there are angry customers. So, is there any help? Yes, Christ came to redeem things. He did not come just merely to save lost souls, but to heal and to make things whole, as we discussed previously when Jesus not only heals diseased people, but also redeemed relationships amongst people such as the tax collectors. Jesus says in chapter 10 of the Gospel of John, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Professor Albert M. Wolters in the book Creation Regained says, What was formed in creation has been historically deformed by sin and must be reformed in Christ. So, we see from a theological perspective that we were made to be creative workers, but then the effects of sin result in things that break and people who become diseased, and thus the redeeming work of Christ informs us that things can be made whole again given the limitations of our fallen world. What this means is that the aim of our work can be either to create things, reflecting God's work in creation, or to reflect Christ's work of redemption by making broken things or diseased people whole, reflecting his healing and reconciling work. One other aspect regarding work in general before we actually tackle how we can embrace a good attitude is the notion of whether there is illegitimate work. 
Mike Rowe states that there is no such thing as a good job or a bad job, but different kinds of honest work. What, then, is honest work? We can discern what honest work is through applying the concept of the basic goods. We need to make certain that whatever activity we're involved with does not directly harm a basic good. If it meets that criterion, then that will be honest work. For instance, you can be a really good hitman for the mafia, but most of us would not consider that to be honest work because it directly harms the basic good of life and health, not to mention harming friendships and marriage along with being unvirtuous, violating both selfless love and justice. Now, on to the battle for redeeming work from an individual perspective. How do we love our work for its own sake? This is truly thought out in our psychologic dimension, our attitudes. This harkens us again back to our basic need to break out of our psychologic dimension and embrace the other through the root of self-transcendence. Self-transcendence will enable us to do three things. The first is to embrace work for its own sake, loving our work. The second is to see the value in our work through the social dimension and relationships both with people and God, loving the people we work with and serve. Lastly, we will discuss the importance of engaging our spiritual dimension. We will address the first of these in today's episode, while the second two will be tackled in the next episode. Each day, we need to ask ourselves, is my work a means or is it meaningful? Is my work merely a means to good pay, nice time off, or a prestigious job? If so, then work is not a basic good, but merely an instrumental one. On the other hand, if I find my work meaningful in itself, then I find my work internally rewarding and I pursue excellence in my job for its own sake. Psychologists have looked at the difference between people doing things for their own intrinsic sake or for an extrinsic reason. An article by doctors Van Steen Kiste, Lenz, and DC. All psychologists, two from Belgium and one from the United States, reviewed this notion and stated, Consistent with these claims, several correlational studies have provided evidence that when people report strong aspirations for extrinsic relative to intrinsic life goals, they tend also to have lower life satisfaction, self-esteem, and self-actualization, higher depression and anxiety, poorer relationship quality, less cooperative behavior, and greater prejudice and social dominant attitudes. What these authors are stating is that people who find their work intrinsically rewarding for its own sake will have greater flourishing on a wide range of indicators. Again, this echoes what Dr. Seligman says regarding the A for accomplishment in the PERMA acronym. Remember my experience reading CT scans for Tenwick as an unpaid consultant radiologist. I find this work to be some of the most gratifying in my life, and this is a great example of how the roots of flourishing result in the fruits of flourishing. However, much of our work is for pay, and thus it becomes more challenging to separate work from pay. We should then strive to disassociate our attitudes about work from the pay as much as possible. In a similar vein, Christ taught regarding giving, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. 
Again, we need to embrace that attitude of work as if we got no pay from it. Again, the root of self-transcendence is essential for us to see work for its own internal good or excellence. Micro from Dirty Jobs says, The truth is, for most passionate people, on Dirty Jobs anyway, they weren't passionate about what they were doing when they started doing it. They simply learned a skill that was in demand. Then they got hired applying that skill. Then they figured out how to get really, really good at it. And then they figured out how to love it. Mike is reminding us here that our job is commonly something that we end up learning to love rather than something that we innately love before we start doing it. Mike goes on to say, people with a lousy work ethic by and large expect their job to satisfy them. People with a solid work ethic will find satisfaction in whatever they do. Ultimately, work ethic is attitude. Mike later adds, your happiness on the job has very little to do with the work itself. So, we see that it's all about attitude. Do we see and embrace the meaning in our work or not? Let's now look at some practical aspects of grounding and affirming the meaning of our work. The first is through our thoughts and speech while at work. My personal example is that I make certain that I mindfully and consciously understand what my work is doing and its own internal excellence. My job as a diagnostic radiologist is to reduce diagnostic uncertainty, which has an internal excellence that can be achieved that then directly supports the basic goods of life and health. Reminding and restating these goals becomes an important counterweight to any instrumental goods such as making money that frequently compete for my prioritization and attention. We must ask ourselves, is my job merely a means or is it meaningful? Recently, we've had some renovations done to our master bathroom and our kitchen where two men exemplified the true nature of excellence in their craft. You can tell by the manner of their work and their attitudes that they take pride in and find joy in creating beautiful rooms through their remodeling work. They don't rush through their work, but value the excellence of the work in its own sake. They could make more money by going faster, but they would then be violating the internal excellence of their craft. They bring an aspect of joy to their work and ensure that it gets done right the first time. You can also tell their love for the craft when they enjoy seeing a beautiful room, even if they didn't do the room remodeling themselves. We can also encourage those around us to love their work. Do you merely just have a coffee or do you have Mocha Wednesday? For years, I've gone to the coffee shop in our hospital on Wednesday mornings to get a mocha. I think they make the best mocha that I've ever tasted. I also know that this is a special treat that I give myself only once a week in order to avoid hedonic adaptation. Just a fancy way of saying, I don't want it to become a need, but I want it to stay a real treat, a pleasure in my life. I don't know how or why, but I started referring to it as Mocha Wednesday. I would proclaim that it was Mocha Wednesday on Wednesdays to the coffee baristas. They realized that they weren't merely serving a hot coffee, but giving me a source of joy and excitement in my life, and in turn, they shared the joy. They write Mocha Wednesday on my cups and can tell that our interaction is special, and although I can't see it under their COVID-protected masks, I'm sure they have a smile every time they serve me my mocha. 
My coworkers also know about it, and they routinely inquire if I've had my mocha on Wednesdays, and they, too, share the joy of celebrating Wednesdays, even if they don't share a mocha with me. So, what can you do to bring joy to your work or other people's work? We have demonstrated the importance of our attitudes, and in this episode, the importance of our attitude toward our work itself. Do we find intrinsic reward for doing a good or even excellent job for its own sake, apart from any money, promotions, or prestige we may get from it? If we do, then we are well on our way to loving our work and will then flourish in our workplace. This week, take a moment each day to reflect on and mindfully rejoice in the excellence of your own work. Try not to merely rush from task to task, but reflect on and strive for excellence while enjoying and loving the work you have at hand, whatever it is. Next episode, we will address the importance of loving the people we work with and for and discuss the importance of engaging our spiritual dimension with its virtues and spiritual practices that will round out our discussion of the role that individuals play in promoting flourishing at our workplaces. Until then, wishing you increased flourishing as we press towards the goal of completing our humanity. Check out my show notes for references and additional resources. The show is also at rootsofflourishing.buzzsprout.com. Shoot me an email at rootsofflourishing at gmail.com with comments or questions. 